Hey everybody, welcome back to SourceStream on Friday. It is just the facts. Blake Rutherford and Wade Murphy go back to bed and below the fold. That's uh, a fact. That's a fact. It's <laughs> another fact. That's the only facts we have. Good show, everybody. I, I, I was like, it's a Friday and, and we're SourceStream yeah. and we know our names. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Good. Good. We're, 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 we're only, we're, we're, we're coherent four days from the election. So that is, uh, that's a, that's a win on this Friday afternoon. Right. Ironically, I think actually we have some better facts than some other people in, in DC right now. We're running for shit. So what a time. What a, what, time. A, what a time. So we'll, we'll dive straight into it. Fact one, the U S general election is next Tuesday. Are you ready? Do you have, have you voted? I, Oh yeah, no, I, I dropped off my ballot. Um, last Friday. Good. So, Good. you know, here in, I mean, again, here in Colorado, we've been longstanding, you know, users of mail-in ballots. So yeah, you are comfortable with mail-in ballots. That, that, that's pro forma for us. Um, you know, I I still don't know what I think about the, pol- the politicization of our Secretary of State doing that yeah. kind of on her own, like Jenna Griswold wanting to get on national TV. She's um, been out there for sure. Yeah. yeah a bunch of places. You know, I mean, it's what, what's funny is, I mean, she's a Democratic uh, Secretary of State, but in, you know, in quite young, really. I mean, I think in her yeah. early 30s, mid 30s. Um, and there's been a ton of attacks on her right for the past year, uh, mostly by Republicans, and, you know, in the state. And um, thankfully, blissfully, Cory Gardner did not jump on that bandwagon. But, you know, Colorado GOP. And went in, you know, basically was like, she doesn't know what she's doing. And um, how dare we have someone who, you know, has no experience. And she was like, are, are you are you kidding me? And nobody knows how to do secretary of state job unless they've been secretary of state. Like, right. Um, right. And her, her history and her background actually are impeccable. Um, you know, and I, I also love that she's like, what? I, you, we needed someone who's been doing this for for 50 years and that's the only thing that we have, then, um, you know, it would be nice to, to think about new updating, updated, you know, ballot policies, mail-in policies, voting policies. Did you drop your ballot off at a, at, at a site or at a, at a, at a box? Um, I, I dropped it off actually at a, uh, at a polling site. Um, you know, Denver has multiple polling. I mean, it's, it's actually the same polling site I've used for the past, four years since I've lived in yeah. this house. Um, you know, and it's just four blocks down. It's a place I've dropped off. And um, I, I I still just personally don't like putting things in the physical mail. Um, not at this late stage, for sure. Yeah. It's not going to get, wouldn't, I mean, I don't, it's just not going to get there. That's the unfortunate part. <clears throat> well, I mean, and that's, that's the thing is we, you know, before Griswold, actually, she she's only been our Secretary of State for two years, but we didn't have, um, you could opt into mail ballot receipts with an email. Okay. Um, and so we didn't get real-time confirmation that there was the receipt if it was mailed in and it was confirmed that it was received. Um, and so without that, I was like, oh, I'm going to just drop it off my, at, at the, you know, at the box itself, so... Uh, Good for you. Good. I, I love getting the mail. I, I love getting the ballots in the mail. I love getting 
our big pamphlets in the mm-hmm. middle of everything that we had on on the ballot. And you got some interesting stuff on the ballot too in Colorado. We got great. I mean, you know, we, we actually yeah. had two of our, our of our source stream fifty. Yeah, um, we got MPVIC as yeah. a. I think we're the also the only state where it it went to um, direct vote. I think mo- most MPVICs in uh, national popular vote interstate com- uh, commission has been through legislature. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? Do you think it'll pass? I don't know. Uh, yeah. I think... So I've seen... I mean, what, what's funny is I've, I've seen very good ads on both sides. I've seen the ad of politicians don't care. They only care about Florida and Ohio and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, and they don't care about us. So obviously national elections and presidential campaigns are going to only focus on issues that really proactively impact those, those states. Um, and so our, our issues should be considered just as important as, as Florida's. Um, I thought that that was a really great ad for it. Um, but I also love the, the political cartoon that was, um, a man and a woman sitting at a dining room ta- at a, at a, at a dinner table or a restaurant and they're holding up the menu and the guy says, Cal- you know, the guy on, has California on his shirt and the woman has Colorado on her shirt and he, and he's shushing her saying, I'll order for her. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, and so the, the argument against yeah. um, popular vote is let us have our own individual voice rather than California determining what our voice should would be. I, I will say I don't I don't mind the electoral college. I wish that it was, you know, so I voted against it. Um just because I actually think that as Colorado becomes I I, I think the census we're going to probably get a new congressional district. Mm-hmm. Um 10 electoral votes in a in a swing state in a light blue state is uh is nothing to to shake your head, you know. Right? Your finger out. I mean, that's, that's Wisconsin. That's, yeah. you know, it's Minnesota. So, um, so I, I mean, I, I, I would prefer electoral college personally to go to the district, the representative district level, congressional district level. Um, and so you have 435 then electoral votes rather than, you know, the, what is it that, so you, I mean, it would be, it would be apportioned out yeah, differently. Well, we got yeah. It's a, I mean, and 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 the I think right now the big news on on the on the election front too is one where the candidates are going. They're blanketing those Midwest states. Yeah. Uh, Biden was in uh, Minnesota. Was he's doing Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa today? Trump is doing Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan yeah. uh, today. Trump has put a bunch. More stops going back to North Carolina. He's going to, going to be in Pennsylvania a bunch mm-hmm. um, that, we, that we know of. Uh, Kamala Harris is in Texas today. Um, I, I like that. They've been in they've been in Georgia this week, Florida this week. They were in Florida. Trump and Biden were in Florida the same day. So I mean, they're they they see the map the same, um, which and- is which is not again not surprising, but. But there is there is that, and then you've got some real problems with mail-in ballots. That's why I asked right. if you're jurors, because we got a big ruling out of the Eighth Circuit in Minnesota 
where absentee ballot people were told absentee ballots could be counted after the election. The Eighth Circuit just ruled, no, they cannot. So a lot of people put their ballots in the mail after the Postal Service told them on Tuesday, we can't guarantee that it's going to get there. So that's one thing. And then in Pennsylvania, um, the question is, uh, what are those? What do the ballots uh, look like if they come in after after uh, election day? If they're are they postmarked the right way? Uh, so there, Pennsylvania is segmenting its ballots as well. Uh, so ballots that come in after eight p.m. on election day are going in their own pile, creating mm-hmm. a challenge that the Supreme Court said it couldn't hear before the election because there wasn't enough time. So and now we also know that in Philadelphia uh, there is a substantial delay in getting um, in ballots being delivered uh, via oh, yeah. the mail. Uh, so it, it's yeah, hold, hold, hold on to your hat out there, uh, out there out West. The, the guys in the East don't know what they're doing. No. I'm, and, and I think that that's why Griswold was like, hold my beer. We've got this. You might yeah. want to listen. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's a comfort too. Florida is also very good at this. They've been doing this for a long time. They count as they go. They've got, they've been at this a a while. So um, a state that's actually figured it out. I continue to be baffled at how hard voting infrastructure is for certain states. It shouldn't. I mean, I I, I fundamentally think it shouldn't be. I mean, it's, it's really, and I feel like every time that I hear something about like wanting to, to make it easier, it actually makes it more arcane. Um, you know, why not just allow the Occam's razor to to fall and just say, you know, it's guys. I mean, you, you everybody gets their ballot. You can come in, you it and it can get mailed to you. You can go in and pick up a ballot. You you show this is the district I live in. You show your residency, whatever, and. Uh, and you get your ballot and you can either sign it there, drop it off, mail it. I mean, why not just give people all those options and then just say, you know, you, you, you choose the path that you feel the most comfortable with. Right. Right. I mean, and and why, quite frankly, it's not a COVID issue. This yeah. should be. Why, are we doing, why every four years do we decide to revisit our election laws two weeks before the election? I mean, just it, I, what is that every state had the sensibility to do what you would do if you were in the private sector. Yeah. So I'm going to like you for a minute and that you would say, all right, what worked and what didn't. Right. We've got four years. Here's a legislative proposal. We know the courts don't like when other courts modify the processes. So here's what worked and what didn't. Here's our, here's our bipartisan legislative proposal approve it, get the governor to sign it, and then you've got three years to implement it. And I don't, I, I just, I, I'm mind, it's just mind blowing that we're going to, we're going to go through all oh, these yeah. problems again. I mean, you, you, you guys have heard me say this on my show a number of times. I think, unfortunately, a, a lot of politicians don't like to fix things. They want to vote. They, they'll run on them and they can say, see, it's broken. So now that's why I'm running for secretary of state. Or that's why we should, you know, vote down ballot, you know, initiatives and and all of these other things so that we get a hundred, you know, th- those kinds of things are easier, I think, to campaign on 
you get to raise a lot of money when you say things are broken. Um, people will pay to have you know pay for your campaign if they uh, you know anticipate that you're gonna come that you're gonna come in to fix it. And then you go, it's the other person's fault that I couldn't fix it for the first two years or four years. So vote me in again. <laughs> Um, I, I, here's the, here's the weird thing, Blake. I, you know, I'm, I love states' rights. I love all of, of that issue. I'm very pro 10th amendment, but why voting isn't nationalized, like nationally yeah. the same. Right. I, I was going to say, why don't we have standards? I mean, there's no, it's, it's the national vote. It is a national general election. It should sure. all be done in the exact same standardization. Well, and, and that should have been the lesson of the Bush v. Gore case. 100%. We're going to take the case, which obviously they did, and they were going to rule what, what the, the outcome of that should have been a national commission to set national standards. And look, if, you, if, if, if we're going to, because of the Electoral College, yes, every state would have to approve it. But I mean, Create a serious bipartisan commission, develop national standards, put the legislation together and give the states four years to approve it, which in some places is, you know, their legislatures work around the clock. Right. Others meet every other year, but you get two bites of that apple if the latter is the case. And just say, look, here's what we're going to do. We're going to offer these things and this is everybody's going to do it the same. We have a national ballot design Agreed. and national counting machines. And this is all that way. There's no there's no concern about having to educate people about, you know, a weird ballot or a different machine or whatever. And also people move more fluidly in this country than ever before. And even in COVID times, maybe even post COVID times, that's not going to change. I mean, I, I, I mean, you, you've lived in how many different states as a resident? Oh gosh, now this is so. I've been a, I've been a, I've been a resident of Arkansas. I've been a vote because a voting resident yeah. in Vermont. Uh, I've been a resident of Pennsylvania, voting resident of Pennsylvania. I'm a voting resident of DC at present. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've done Arkansas, North Carolina, Virginia, D.C., Texas, Colorado. Yeah, um, I mean, and a lot of people move all over, and I've had very, very different voting experiences, actually, yeah. in each one of those areas. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, and so that's pretty. It's pretty weird that I was like, okay, well, I mean, I guess if you. It would be, I think we actually might get a lot more people to vote if it was standardized, because then it would be like, you know where it's going. Well, it goes back. I mean, it goes back to all of the things that would be a lot easier if if we could figure, if people would, would, would quit playing politics with things like voting. I mean, yeah, yeah. make it a national, make it a national holiday or, or, or move. Agreed. You know, I mean, just give people mandate that, that, that. You know, and, and employers are getting better about it. And sure. Saying, Please go vote. Please don't, you know, take whatever you need, take whatever time, do whatever yeah. you need to do. Um, you know, businesses are getting smart. There are a bunch in Washington that are like, if you'll walk in with your I vote sticker, we'll buy you a beer. I mean, you yeah, know, exactly. And, you know, things like that that make it, you know, that make it 
you know, kind of fun and whatever, but, but it's revising that. Yeah. But, but, but in reality, it ought to be a variety of things, including that. So, you know, everybody ought to have early voting. Everybody ought to have access to mail if that's what they want to do. Everybody ought to be able to, if they want to vote on election day, make it a national holiday. Right. But we just got to your point. There's a system of if whatever you want to do, you can do. And I think that's what this election is showing. And look at where turnout is. Extraordinary. 100. I mean, we're we're talking about a lot of the facts that are. Yeah, I know. No, 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 which is great that we're setting it up right now. Keep me on pace before I just spoil the whole show. You know what I like about it, though, is. Um, it kind of does show one of these things that, that we've always talked about here is that a lot of this stuff is so intertwined. You know, I mean, a lot of politics isn't just single issue. You can't just take one thing away from it, um, you know, and say it's only about mail-in ballots or it's only about early voting or it's only about, you know, where people vote. It's, uh, you know, where they campaign. I mean, it's all of this informs the entire, you know, thing. And, and I, I, I don't want to leave fact one uh, until we talk a little bit more about SourceStream 50 as well, yeah. because there are a lot of down ba- – I mean, the U.S. general election is for ev- you know all of this stuff. Right? I mean, it's it's not just the president. Every seat in the House of Representatives is up. Every seat. We've Third, got – The Senate is up. A ton of governors are up. Yeah. And a ton of ballot initiatives that's probably the one thing people have not on a national level focused on Yeah. that. I mean, and again, it's not a criticism. There's so much happening and the presidential sucks up so much oxygen. And then the control of the Senate is basically gets what's left. And that those races aren't even all getting that much coverage. Yeah. Um, But the ballot initiatives, we talked about Colorado, California, Florida, Louisiana, Arkansas, there are a lot of very interesting ballot initiatives um, across the country that are going to have pretty significant ramifications if they pass. And also, I mean, if they don't vote, pass, what does that mean? Well, right. You've got ranked choice voting in Florida. You've got bringing affirmative action back in California. You've got ending cash bail in California. You've and got abortion. Ab- banning in Louisiana, full stop. You've got partial birth abortion in Colorado. You've got marijuana legalization in three different states. We've got legalized sports gambling in Maryland. We've got Oregon even saying we're decriminalizing all drug possessions. Everything. All drug, from cocaine down to pot. I mean, those are real things. Illinois changing their entire tax code. Absolutely. Um, and Michigan talking about uh, cybersecurity. Yeah. Um, I mean, some really, really interesting stuff. And so for people who are, are watching the show, check out, go to SourceStreamLive.com, check out the SourceStream 50. There's a, there's a bunch of, I'm going to use it, below the fold stuff that um, – that we've tried to highlight that I think are, are going to be fascinating to watch on election night. And there's a lot of stuff. We talk about the complexities of Florida politics mm-hmm. and how that race is going to go. It is a, it is mega critical 
yeah. for Trump and Biden. I would, and, I mean, it, it, this goes back to traditional electoral and, college math. Well, and and so the question is, when you have these, ba- what's going to motivate people to vote? And so, if they you look at these balloted initiatives, those in and of themselves, I mean, the money being spent for and against ballot initiatives across the country is is one of the great stories of this election. In California alone, they're some of the most expensive in history. Yeah. And I mean, because in California, you have a major issue in the gig economy, which is how do you treat Uber and Lyft drivers? That's right. That's right. You, I mean, and, and let, let's let's run down California and, and Florida real quick. I mean, California, you've got ending cash bail. You've also, though, got on the exact same ballot a different initiative that actually over- encourage it, uh, you know, that, that over, um, you know, puts in, puts the government into, you know, criminal justice, which is for, for smaller amounts, you can have DNA testing and you're in the criminal system from your DNA just for a misdemeanor. Yeah. Um, and so the, you know, if you're talking about criminal justice reform, one side is zero cash bail. The other side is Everybody from a misdemeanor up is going to have their DNA in the criminal justice system in California. I mean, so you've got vastly right. competing issues there. You've got um, rent control issues. Yep. You've got um, what, 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 else, what else do we have in California outside of the gig economy? We have the gig economy. We have cash bail. We have rent control. We have criminal DNA those are the, I think those are the four big, there may be one more that I don't have our list in front of me, but, but those are, I mean, I, oh, those, oh, we, we also have affirmative action. Oh, affirmative action. Sorry. I mentioned affirmative action. Right. Yeah. yeah. So we're, so yeah. it's the, uh, it's repealing yeah. the, um, the ban on affirmative action yeah. contracting for the entire yeah. state of California and in higher education. So arguably it, one of the most liberal states in the country. Right. So, I mean, you have five massive issues in California alone that are going to transform that potentially that entire economy 100 percent. not just one you got five five you've got in florida you've i mean as as you say you've got ranked voting because biden's up by a ton and people don't care about california and people are thinking oh the the most exciting political conversation is who's gonna if biden wins who's gonna get kamala harris's seat in the senate and these are far more impactful these are, I mean, and, and they matter to Californians and we're not, you know, and, and that's the, that to me is also the irony is you have, you know, traditional Republicans or right of center in a place like California who may not go out to vote in a general because they're like, my vote doesn't matter, but it would matter very much on all of those ballot initiatives. Um, yeah. You know, in Florida, you've got not just the ranked voting, but we've got a, a minimum wage. In Florida, that's what wage. Yeah, you know, I mean that that would be right up there with some of the highest, you know, na- minimum wages in the nation. Um, I mean, you, you've got a ton of stuff there that is going to bring people out where that's what they care about. You know, yeah, bring people to vote. Right. I mean, it, it, you know, I I think that people people forget that a lot of times. You have to look at you have to look at and especially a very unique state like Florida that you could argue 
is seven states in one state. I mean, sure. there is no, there is no statewide political identity. That state yeah. moves and does things very differently, and and so depending on where you are is going to impact how you're how much you're motivated by a very local issue. Um, and so I don't think you can discard these ballot initiatives because yeah. they are going to look, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to excite both sides. Yeah. Um, the question is by how much, but the dynamics here and these two, I mean, cause these are Florida, a more complicated political state than California at the moment, mm-hmm. but still very, very interesting to watch. I mean, I, I like the fact that you've got even things like, um, Marijuana and marijuana legalization in South Dakota, which Dakota. might bring a lot more blue voters to the general election in South mm-hmm. Dakota. And that might bring them to traditionally vote up and down ballots where they haven't been. It's also going to be one of those funny things where libertarians are going to vote Republican and vote for. Or for- you might actually. This might be the year we get 5% for JoJo. Go vote gold, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, who knows? Who knows? I mean, Nevada's, yeah. Nevada, same-sex marriage. Marijuana is really interesting. Yeah. Just overall, we don't have time to get into it. Uh, all, we can, yeah, yeah, we can't get into all 50. But, but it's a very, very interesting, very bipartisan, um, bipartisan issue. So I, I, I mean, I, I enjoy it, I, allowing people to have access yeah, we, I mean, we were the first. Yeah, y'all were the first to make it all yeah, work we, out. I, I think it was, I think we, I think Colorado, Washington, and Oregon all came yep. the same year. Um, yep. We were probably much more public about it. We spent a ton of money on it here in Colorado. Um, and it actually worked very well from a tax revenue point of view uh, for the first two years. We got great, we got a lot of road re- reconstruction, a ton of school. Uh, construction, especially in in rural areas, that I mean, you go through and you go to small mountain towns, and these schools look like mansions. It's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Um, well, and, and and again, you you you've seen in our in our um, and our, in our and and quite frankly, our drug numbers are way down. Yeah, yeah. Our criminal so, drug possession numbers are way way down. Yeah, you can see even in I mean, even in Arkansas when they open the medical dispensary. Oh, yeah in lines out the door. I mean, there's, you know, so I, I, we, I think we know where this is all headed, but it's, but it's interesting. It's, this is going to be, a, this is a good year for just looking at some dynamic political issues. Yep. The thing we put together so that there was some, you kind of knew where to look because the lens was so wide. Yeah. Um, again, not a, not everything. Again, there's so many races on the ballot. But if you want to, if you want to think about the stuff that I think we're gonna is gonna have the highest level of impact, I think these are these are these are the fifty, and hopefully people check them out. And you know, I I, I know at least on um, on my show, and I know with some other shows, we're gonna kind of do a retrospective on it, you know, and talk about what what passed, what didn't pass, and why, oh, and, yeah. and where do we go, and, yeah. and what right. states are gonna take them up next. Yeah, yeah we're we're not. In, this is not a. We're not in the predicting business. This isn't a partisan effort. It's just yeah. the, if you were going to watch something, or if you were going to build your election night spreadsheet, watch, yeah, your bingo card, you know, your watch list, uh, this is this gives you a, a leg up on what we think is going to have the biggest impact. Obviously, you can imagine what number one is. 
but there's a bunch of other stuff that's on there that'll impact the outcome of the Senate, the direction of the House, and then how some of these bigger policy issues are going to advance. Because remember, one of the interesting things about about the uh, the coalition in Colorado regarding the national party vote is yeah. it's if Colorado passes it, you only need one more state. Pennsylvania and if Pennsylvania passes it in the spring, then it it's in effect. Yeah. The, 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 the compact has, has met its threshold and the states who have participated in it now will agree to do it. Now you'll, we know there'll be a court case that'll follow, but that this this gets it one step closer. And so also on our source stream 50 is the Pennsylvania House of Representatives. That's right. Because of NPVIC wow. on one level. And Pennsylvania is going to have a ton of ballot problems this year. They're already, they're already experiencing them. It's going to be a mess. I lived there for five years. My <laughs> ground are, are, are not, not sending good vibes in terms of just Votes getting, I mean, ballots getting mailed in and processed. Yeah. I had a of mine who took off today to go to go spend the the final hours of the uh, final days of the campaign. And Pennsylvania can't wait to get their get their perspective from the ground. But but that's it's going to be a mess. So who knows? Yeah. Welcome, to chat, lasagna, and and David. I I, I see the. The, the the same the same arguments are being made in chat so you guys can have that conversation um good good on you for it so so there's that um i i do i think that this is going to be a, I, I do hope that that it's going to be some kind of change from a national conversation about voting writ large you know fact two is 2020 is not 2016 um you know, and that was mostly about polling numbers and how to what to expect going in, into this. What is conventional wisdom? But I also think it's not 2016, and that I think a lot of people put more import on this election than they did in 2016. Yeah, I think. Look, we just got new numbers out of Texas. People under the age of 30, 735,000 people have already voted in Texas who are under the age of 30. This time in 2016, 106,000. Not- that, that's just one, that's one statistic. Yeah, I mean, I, and- we, we, we've seen that Texas has already exploded through its, its early vote numbers. We, right. we know we'll, we'll keep talking about that. But I think to your point, people are engaging in this election and I, I'm not, and I'm not about to say that this, this whole that that this advantage exclusively benefits Joe Biden because I don't Absolutely believe right. I do not believe that it does. Um, but people are participating in this election. We've seen more people who did not vote yeah. in 2016 voting this time yeah. around. Um, we are seeing, you know, far. I mean, across the board. Exactly. turnout is is up so you can't the only thing people will say about comparing it to 2016 is well the polls were off in 2016 can't they be off in 2020 and the answer is sure mm-hmm. i mean any anything is possible um you did a great thing though yesterday on on polling and whether on like what people actually i mean you were talking about this 
you know, we were talking about this just on the, the last fact, but at least the polling industry seems like they they did a retrospective. They did a postmortem on 2016 and said, what did we fuck up? And let's not do it again. I mean, I think that they have a much in business. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, I mean it's, it's a real business. They're like, yeah, we got to stay relevant somehow. Right. You got to stay relevant. Otherwise, people are like, why do we even care what the polls say? And so, so I do think there was that, there was that work there. There's a, there's a, a, an interesting conversation for people that are, that are interested in really kind of modeling and how all that works between Ezra Klein of Vox and Nate Silver of 538 that's on the Vox website. You could check that out, which is just why this is not like before and all the different things that are changing. But but just don't even – I don't even think we have to complicate it. It is entirely possible, Wade, that 2 million more people will vote in Texas than in 2016. How do you How do you model for that? You can't, I mean, and you can't, I mean, to, to Chad's point, too, you also can't model Corona. Right. You can't model I mean, COVID. You just can't. You can't, we can, we can take all the polls that we want about, and, and I talked about this on my show and we've all talked about it, which is, you know, do you, do you like the president's handling of it? Yes, no. Country, right direction, wrong direction. Those are bad stats for the president. Right. But at the same time. But his unfavorables haven't changed all that much in the past six months. But remember that there are a lot of people who are not mad at Trump. They are mad at their state officials. They're mad at their local officials. And, and, and it's, it's, there's the intricacies of COVID. And I've, I've said this and I do believe that everything, the line from human to vote does, does run through COVID. Yeah. It doesn't run through the same way. And I don't, yeah, I, exa- I, yeah, I don't think people took up the COVID banner and the COVID mantle of voting, being a COVID voter, the same way. I mean, I, I, I have a lot of friends, you know, colleagues from, um, you know, that I, that actually I graduated high school with that are that are in my Facebook feed, right? And I see all the time. They're like, "How dare!" And I'm, I'm voting so that we don't get shut down. They buy the, they, they right. buy into the Biden's going to shut the economy down argument, which I'm not here to say he is or isn't, but that's a line of argumentation that is incredibly, you know, palatable and powerful for a lot of people. To be fair, he says, he says that that he is not, but I think the other thing it can't model for is, is ballot discrepancy, ballot delay, ballot, you know, I mean, we've never, other than states that have done this. That's true. Right. We don't, we don't have a, there's not a model in all of these states that expanded mail. So what I'm going to call abs, no no fault absentee ballots. So no right. excuse. Ballot. So you don't need an excuse to request yeah, a ballot. Yeah. We were talking about that in Georgia or Alabama, and so we don't. There's no way to know. And now we've got delays in the postal service. So someone who's taken a poll who says, "Yes, I'm voting for Joe Biden." But they mailed their ballot tomorrow. Guess what? They, they may not yeah. have Right, right. You know, so and so people's intention doesn't always. You know, I will also say people's party affiliation of where they of, of what of what they're under when they bring when they get a ballot isn't always a great indicative. You know, indicator of where they're going to vote. Just because you're a Democrat 
in Arkansas doesn't mean that you're going to vote Democrat up and down the ballot. Just because you're a Republican in Colorado doesn't mean you're going to vote Republican up and down the ballot. Um, What's well, you, you bring that up because this is one of the one of the questions that I've posed to to my audience on the show and is what's the like what's the probable scenario are you likely to let's take Arizona for example mm-hmm. a state that's voted for one Democrat in the last forever yeah and and all of my chat tells me absolutely no way Joe Biden can win Arizona despite right. polling everything else. Mark Kelly looks to be running away with that Senate race. So my question is, does the does the voter walk in to the poll? And I, I mean, I use that yeah. just empirically. Course, right, 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 right. Look at their ballot, but however you want to describe it. And say, I want to reelect Donald Trump, but I want to give Donald Trump a Democratic Senate. I don't think people think that. I, I, I don't think that vote splitting is a function of potentially saying I want to freeze executive to legislative power. I think it's the, I, I, I think quite frankly, there is a lot more retail politics that gets done, um, especially in congressional districts. Senate's a little bit different. Um, <laughs> David, if, if Biden takes Arizona, he'll buy a sub for this channel. I got you, I, I got you, David. Come on, man, just buy one. I, 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 hey, buy, buy it because you know we don't ban anybody, so say what you want. Yeah, I mean, we're good. Come on, man, um, you got bucks. I, I, I guess I'm 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 used to living now in Colorado as a, as a very purple state, and everybody thinks that it's very blue now, but it's it's technically not. I mean, no, it's not. You know, I mean, uh, John Hickenlooper was a very popular Democratic governor, but. In almost in, in in almost any other blue state, he'd be a Republican. Um, well, we remember we remember that Colorado was one of the what I can't remember when I was in D.C. Wayne Allard and Ben Nighthorse Campbell before Ben Nighthorse Campbell flipped. Yeah, yeah. So Ben Nighthorse Campbell was the was he was the, a Republican. Wayne Allard was a Republican. Bill Owens yeah. as the governor was a Republican yeah. in two thousand. Yeah, um, you know, and Bill Owens was supposed to be George W. Bush's vice presidential pick, if if the religious right and conservative, if the conservative Christians weren't so scared of someone going through a uh, uh, a divorce as a vice presidential pick, I think Bill Owens would have been a vice presidential pick, and quite frankly, then you wouldn't have had Cheney. So, what would that have meant for the entire future of the, and 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 then that would have been really interesting for two thousand eight. Right, that might not have been McCain. That might have been an Owens ticket. Um, anyway, that all all of that, you know, armchair, you know, quarter, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking aside, we're you know, we vote Republican senators and Democratic governors all the time. You know, we have two, two or three um, congressional districts that flip Republican Democrat uh, representatives regularly. Um, good afternoon, one at all. Welcome back. So, yeah, I mean, it's I, I think that people say, who's the leader I want? And what's the party platform on the national stage that I want to have, you know, from the, you know, from the president? Like, do I want a Republican administration or do I want a Democratic administration? And then who's the person that, that I'm voting for on the Senate? 
not necessarily to, you know, and, you know, to say I want Chuck Schumer to be majority leader um, or Nancy Pelosi to be Speaker of the House. I don't think a lot of people are saying, oh, well, I like Mitch McConnell as majority leader. I really like Chuck Schumer as majority leader. So therefore, I'm going to vote for a Democrat. It's actually funny to bring that up because that would look at a state like North Carolina, where Roy Cooper, the Democratic governor, looks very safe for reelection. Absolutely. The Democrats are going to reelect Josh Stein for attorney general. Yep. And you've got a Senate race where the Democrat, Cal Cunningham, who's had trouble, looks like he's in good shape. That was a bless his heart moment, though. Well, I mean, that, yeah. I mean, he he was going to run away with it. Tom Tillis was no, no yeah. It may not be it may not be as perfect for him, but you know, throw your phone, get off your phone, just, Al Cunningham, dum dum. I bet but, that was a go back to bed at some point. Good lord! Oh my goodness. Um, but but the presidential race is neck and neck. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so you got Democrats winning down the ballot in the biggest races, That's and right. yet. The, the Trump is very much in it. I mean, it's been, I've done this for now, what, we've been on the air 20, 20 shows mm-hmm. or something. And so for 10 looks at the Electoral College map, I've never had North Carolina other than tree toss-up, despite all these other metrics that would tell you there's no way Trump could win if these other candidates are going to win. But Roy Cooper is not a Democrat like Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer or AOC. And so I think when people think about that, it's like, if I'm voting for Biden, then that gives more, you know, more agency to the far wings of that party. It gives agency to, you know, to the worst elements, right? I mean, if you're voting for for a for a Biden presidency, you're also voting for an administration. I think more. I think a lot of people think about that, where it's like, okay, the party, you know, ideology is now at top of the ticket. And yeah. you know, do you trust a Republican kind of, or a now a Trump Republican administration or a Biden Democrat administration? So it might be moderate, but I know a lot of people are saying. If Biden wins, he's still going to have to cave to the far left elements of his party, just the way that everybody was concerned that any Republican would have to cave to the far right elements of their party. And there's Trump. Um, And so Trump doesn't care about caving to the moderate elements of his party anymore. (laughs) Um, You know. But I mean, yeah, when Arkansas had Winthrop, uh, Winrock, I mean, that was great. When, uh, Winthrop Rockefeller. And, but I mean, I remember when, you know, I, I, I assume you, Blake, had, had done your, your political internship for, for either Vic Snyder or one of the Democratic senators, Dale Bumpers or, or Mark. David Pryor, yeah. David Pryor. Mine, yeah. Um, I actually interned for, for Jay Dickey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The guy who let his dog drive his car into yeah. the ditch. Yeah, Rami or, or whatever it was. Oh, it was- God, bless his heart. Um, but no, I mean, what, and what was funny is actually that I was interning for him at the same time. One of his his L.A.'s or L.D. is now our the lieutenant governor of Arkansas. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so, um, you know, it's, it is funny how, how that kind of how you see that go full cycle. But 
Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Jay Dickey was, I think, the only Republican congressman in Arkansas in 96 or 98. That is, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to remember the date perfectly, but yes, there was a point where he was the only Republican in DC from the state of yeah. Arkansas. Yeah. And yeah. now there's one Democrat. Zero. Oh, well, there might be French, might be. Fr- French Hill, part of our source stream 50 yeah. as well. Right. Um, he's in a, he's in a race that nobody thought that he was going to, yeah, you know, have to fight for. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it is, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's interesting. I mean, the second district in, in Arkansas is, um, is, is. And that's the Little Rock district. That's Little Rock. Yeah. And, and that's, that, that's the urban district. I mean, that's the. And the funny thing is, it's not the urban rural divide that's going to change it. It's going to be suburban women yeah. who are just fed up with Trump. Um, so we'll see. I mean, again, a race to watch for sure. And, and, and the motivations of voting top of the ticket and the president and down ballot, I think ballot splitting is a bigger deal than some of us who live in politics a lot, uh, give it credit for, because I think a lot of people still, you know, our source stream logo, right? All politics is social comes from the, the infamous line, all politics is local. Yep. And people know their representatives better than they know the president. Um, I think they feel a, a connection in the whole, right. Um, to that. And, and so I, I you know, it, it, I think it'll be really kind of fascinating how that works. Hey, we will. We're, we're in for a ride next week. We're in for a ride, man. We're in for a ride next week. We're in for a ride. So, fact three. Wisconsin is a big target for both campaigns. Wisconsin. If you ever, I mean, when I was working in the Bush administration on the 04 re-election, you know, and spent and took my time off and took my obligatory like week vacation and went to go, I came out to Colorado, work on the, on the campaign um, to volunteer. If someone told me in your lifetime, Wisconsin is going to be one of the biggest toss up states. I'm going, what the hell are you smoking? That can't be right. That can't be right. It is, it is exactly right. Um, And we, and, and, and 2016 was the, was the, you know, the, the fireworks for this, for this moment where the polling showed Hillary Clinton within, you know, a comfortable, not great margin, but comfortable margin. Uh, they outside the margin of error of the 2016. Yeah, right. So sorry, when I say comfortable margin, I would always am assuming outside the margin of error. And she did not visit the state. Uh, took it all for granted. And took it very much for granted. Spent a lot more time in states that were, truth be told, long shots. And she lost. Um, right. Georgia. Uh, Georgia. Arizona back then. Um and and she lost the state. Um, and so it has been now part of this part of this corridor, Minnesota, Wisconsin, yeah. Michigan, Pennsylvania, Ohio now, but this Rust Belt corridor 
that is proving to be in the early second decade of the 21st century, the or third decade, sorry, um, the tried and true battleground for presidential politics. And you cannot you cannot ignore Wisconsin. You cannot take right. any states for granted, which is why we saw today. Guess who was there? Both Biden. of them. Yep. Both of them. Both of them. I mean, it's and, and this is four days out. Both of them. Well, and add on top of this that you have the events of Kenosha. Sure. And so there's a bunch of other things that are going on, but but this is not. These these states are, you know, where where the Minnesota of Paul Wellstone, the oh, yeah. Wisconsin of Russ Feingold, the Michigan of of uh, of um, John Dingle, the mm-hmm. you know, I mean the the Pennsylvania of of present, you know, Bob Casey still also is Arlen Specter who flipped and won again. Right. Still I mean, very much a bipartisan, I mean, states that are going to take a new look at the president. It but, is, it is, it is different. But remember, there. Wisconsin is also the home of Paul Ryan. You know, Pennsylvania was also the home of Tom Ridge, who is George Bush's first Department of Homeland Security secretary. Sure. Um, and you, you have some of those states, which I always thought were much more ballot splitting. Right. In terms of down ballot stuff, um, it wasn't surprising to have a, dem- a Republican governor of a place like Pennsylvania. But I never would have expected national presidential politics to break Republican. And and that's where I think that I mean, I, I, I said it before when Joe Biden was the nominee, I was like, if he keeps making this idea of his 47 years right and of, of history, he knew that he could target labor unions, blue collar workers, that thing. And that was where Democrats lived. And that's where the, you know, minority turnouts and labor union turnouts got them all of the votes in the Rust Belt. Right. And the economy's fundamentally shifted. I think that you've got the hipster movement, which still is traditionally Democrat liberal, but you, but they're not. If Biden's saying I'm getting these late, these great union jobs back to you, and so that you and your family can have for four generations the exact same job at the exact same damn pay for for four generations, and and we're gonna continue to let you be comfortable in that one class structure um, that you're that that you vote for, then then by all means. And I think that there's a lot more, you know opportunity set from from the democrats who live in wisconsin they want to hear a different economic structure yeah than, i think than unions yeah and, well, and that's not that can't be the only way to win wisconsin pennsylvania ohio illinois anymore well I, I i think there's there's a lot to that i think there's also a lot to this idea that even hillary didn't overperform with union households so right they liked the Make America Great Again message. They liked, because Trump talked about bringing jobs back from China right. more so than Hillary they liked, did. 
Now, I don't think that's going to hold up this time. Oh, yeah. Because I think there's going to be a higher level of trust factor among Biden than, than, oh, yeah. than Trump on that issue. But that does not mean that's enough to win all the votes back. Because and if that's the only economic line, the jobs creation line that you're spouting in that area, you're remember, missing. You have a lot of you have a lot of high net worth people in all these states who've done very well under Trump. That's right. And and so the the question the question I think is for the people who didn't vote for Hillary. Do they, and, and by that I mean didn't vote at all, just yeah, stayed, home. stayed home. Do they feel that desire to show up for for Biden? And then for those that voted for Trump, especially in Western Pennsylvania, sure. which, which was a bigger bump than anyone thought, are there enough that don't feel like Trump has met the promise of his presidency? That's now, why I, I brought up fracking, though, for north northwestern Pennsylvania. Well, sure, we can. I mean, we can talk about you know the Marcella Shale, and, and we can talk I mean, about that, that. Made a lot of people from Erie, from Erie all the way over to the east and the Susquehanna sure. Delaware River basins, a lot of money. Sure, and 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 there are going to be a lot of people in rural Pennsylvania in the middle part between Pittsburgh and Philly mm-hmm. who are not going to give up on Trump. They don't think it's, they don't think he's they don't think four years is enough time to make good promises. They don't think that they think he's done more right than wrong. And they're going to they're going to they're going to give up on what it is that that, you know, Democrats think is like, well, you shouldn't. You shouldn't talk the way that you talk and you should, you know. To be nicer and more dignified and whatever. As people say in chat here all the time, like people don't like Trump because he's a meanie. And I'm right. Like, yeah. We see that in chat all the time. All the time. And and I think the reality is that that people think that if there's somebody at least out there trying to fight for them, it's better than nothing. That's right. And so like, I don't care if you're a good guy or a bad guy, what you're not my, I'm not voting for a friend. I'm voting to not be punished by my government. I'm not having you to Thanksgiving. I'm asking you to do the job. So I think, yeah, exactly. I I think, I mean, you know, I'm not, I mean, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to be your friend. I'm not trying to hang out with you. There's, there's no beer summit here. That's, I mean, the likability factor isn't, and quite frankly, because I think people also like, I'm never going to meet the president. I don't give a shit. Like, and what is the point? Me voting, I mean, me voting for who I like makes me feel good, perhaps, but does it get me, does it create economic opportunity for me? Yeah, exactly. And so, again, I've said on my show many times, there are a lot of people who have felt the kind of, the kind of, enmity that that Trump ex- speaks that he's able to say out loud they're 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 that frustrated and he's in a position in life that he, where it doesn't matter 
it doesn't matter. He's not going to get he, – he runs his own company. He's not going to get fired from his job. I mean, you know? and the the thing is, I mean, like even – I had family members who said, well, he pisses off all the right people. Like yeah, he, he gets right. AOC in a bunch. He gets Nancy Pelosi angry. I can't get Nancy Pelosi angry, but he can get her angry, and I don't like her. I, Chuck Schumer's horrible and Chuck the Schmuck and all those things. I mean – he's able to to push the buttons of all of the people that that drive traditional republicans absolutely batshit crazy and they I have think- zero ability to influence any of that vote the- nobody can vote for Nancy Pelosi nobody can vote for Chuck Schumer who gets that upset about them and the the difference is and we we don't know this yet is that the stuff Trump did implement, and there was a bunch okay. in the stream daily today, did it actually improve people's lives? And four years is a long time. We didn't know. We didn't know. <laughs> oh, God. What are they saying? Oh, no. You, you, I think you can see it in, in chat here. It's just Nancy Pelosi is a very nice person. We all know that. Nice. Oh, well played. Well played. Um, but I think the difference is, especially on China, on China tariffs. Now, Trump's not, I mean, Biden's not making this, he's closing on COVID, which I understand why he's closing on COVID. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think you're going to have a lot of people who, who are going to ask themselves, well, he did have four years and he had two years of a Republican Senate and a Republican house. It's going to be the repeal replace thing that I think a lot of people are going to peel from him on. Right. Um, I mean, we actually saw from somebody in chat saying that, that Trump bungled Corona and he became too establishment, which I think for most Democrats are going to be like, what the hell? But he didn't do repeal and replace. He didn't do, you know, his tough, his real tough on China stuff. He didn't. The one thing I think people say that he did do well that he that he ran on is no new wars in the Middle East. He is saying he's going to do all, and and I'm like I, you guys have heard me talk on my show all the time about. His, how does that comport with America first? I mean, I, I respect, like like from what I understand, the America f- first thing is a now as as we see it a lot. Um, People are, are now more comfortable saying America first instead of Israel first. So there's some of that in there of the get out of the Middle East, no war for oil, that kind of thing. Um, we're, we're fighting other people's wars on their behalf. I mean, I, 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 I think that that's part of that, that to me, that nationalism of America first as a mentality, right? And you saw that, though, from Alex Jones. You saw that from Steve Bannon. I mean, that didn't surprise me a lot when when it became this not American exceptionalism argument. It became this America first instead of anybody else. Um, because the implication is every other Bush, Clinton, Obama all spent American resources, time and treasure in defense of somebody like Israel or somebody else and not in defense of our interests, but in defense of, of somebody else. Um, and so I, I just, and, and I mean, there, the, I, to me, the idea of that nationalism becomes then 
all things, all Americans should be all things only for America. And that's, you know, when I hear American, you know, energy independence or things like that, I'm like, it's bullshit. Um, and it should be bullshit because globalization and, you know, interconnectivity of, of markets and economy and commerce. I mean, you're not putting that, you're not putting globalization back in the bottle. Um, right. The toothpaste is out of the tube. You know, it's it, it, it's just not going to happen. And regardless of how somebody like, you know, Paul Krugman, bless his heart, wants to say, I was wrong about globalization. I'm like, you took your Nobel Peace Prize. You still write the same things and economic textbooks. And, you know, you just want to be invited to, to the AOC squad parties. I get it, Paul Krugman. But the fact of the matter is, you know, when he actually writes the stuff that... Throw a go back to bed at Paul, Paul Krugman. Oh, I throw, I, I'll throw a go back to bed at Paul Krugman all day long. Yeah, yeah. Wow. All right. Um, you know, and I think, so I think that there's a lot of that kind of concern of America first is we don't fight other people's wars. And as I've said, you know, Obama wanted to not be the world's police. As a, I mean, as a, as a, George W. Bush Republican who led the insurgency into oh, yeah. who led the insurgency into Iraq. Or what? Who's what? Other wars are we fighting? I don't think there are wars. I th I I I tend to agree. I mean, I I think that there's that concern. I mean, we talk on my show a lot about a lot of foreign policy issues. So, should we put troops in? Like Belarus, should we put troops in Turkey if that's a thing? Should we put troops in, you know, the Azerbaijan Armenian border and, and that? Should we go down to Venezuela? Like the, those are the kinds of of places that I think people are afraid that that's just America sends troops. You know, um, I mean, even in Chappie, like if they have a flag, we have a base there. Um, and it's yeah, but part, I, part of that is part of that is geopolitical security. I mean. There's a reason why we we have bases in Germany and South Korea, right. and I mean, there's a re and, and there's a difference between military policy there and economic foreign policy. Right. I mean, there's. I mean, we have a base in Cuba. We're not using that as a forward insurgency. No. Um. I mean, it's yeah. It's kind of. We also, I mean, and, and that's the thing is, if we remove ourselves from those areas, then what happens? Um, I mean, and so I, I, I all, all I'm saying is I'm trying to just. How are we to a point now in the. I in think Georgia, that. Yeah. And maybe we can ask chat this. Yeah. Do, do we just, do we just nullify the Marshall plan? Do we just say there's, there was no, no great benefit to that. I don't, I don't quite understand. I think the real pro Trump, pro America first people in chat are going to say, absolutely. We shouldn't have bases. We shouldn't send any troops anywhere. We should only care about America. We should only have our borders and our, and our internal national security as paramount and base, you know, Fuck Israel, fuck Germany, fuck UK. I mean, all of these guys, like, they don't matter. China isn't our problem. If they're going to send, you know, ships here, we'll fight them back. You know, if somebody's going to try and, and invade our borders, we'll fight them back. Um, and we so, become as small as Portugal. I think that that's, I mean, 
geopolitically, we would become as small as Portugal in that pers- in that context. I, you know, and I I think a lot of people though feel like that's we spend too many times in you know I mean it's it's a it's a weird move right I mean it's this transition from. Because I don't think we've we've really done a great job, either party, explaining why it's important for American presence in areas and regions that aren't our backyard, that don't fundamentally geo, geographically influence us. This is actually very this is actually very interesting, and we should do a sidebar because we could lose this entire show. Oh yeah, on, yeah, yeah. Um, which is what the non-boomer post-World War II generation, so X, us, yeah. and then everyone else, thinks about what when we reordered the post-World War II era and footprints down for yeah, obvious reasons... What is that? What is that geopolitical virtue? Absolutely. And is it even? I mean, we talk about that on my shows. Is is that that's not the same world anymore? So, how does? I mean, do uh, you? How do? If that was right, maybe the the ge, the geographic locations are wrong. But I mean, you're right. It's a sidebar discussion. We'll we'll do that at a different point. I don't think the geographical location in South Korea is wrong, but no, no, I, I, I certainly don't either. I mean, I, I also think that that's I mean, why no, we should never sign on to the um, to the landmine, the International Landmine Treaty, because then that means the DMZ is is open for for business. Exactly right, and um, that, yeah. So sorry, no. I mean, uh, we we made a we made a promise to to the Blue House, and right, to, whether that's the park regime or the moon regime, who cares? It's that's still the the Kim regime's going to come tumbling down there if they don't. Oh, absolutely. Don't um, and as you guys know, I mean, I, I I get mad about that all the time from what Trump did there, uh, and I think that that was incredibly disastrous. But no, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll definitely sidebar that uh, for sure. So we'll we'll go to fact four, which is what I mean, stuff we've talked a lot about, right? 80, over 83 million, I think now 84 million ballots have already been cast in the 2020 election. Yep. Um, Massive turnout. You know, I mean, this is more ballots cast than Hillary Clinton had vote in the entire election. I mean, so you've got, you know, and, the, and that actually happened on, on Tuesday. So this is much more than that, right? I mean... So, and, and I say Hillary Clinton because she was the winner of the popular vote. Um, and so you have, you have as many, more than, more ballots cast than were, than, than more than, than, I, I mean, this, what is this, 60% of, of all of last year's ballots on election day? Yeah, I think we are, um, I think we are, we were at 52 yesterday so we had a you'll you're, you're better at math than me so it was 65 to 60 it was about 120 let's just say 129,000 129 million votes and we're at 80 83.8 i think right, was today 
So there you go. So I'll 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 pull up a quick. Oh, sorry. I'll pull up a quick spreadsheet here. Not not there. Um, what is yeah, ch chat? Help us out on that. That's it was one hundred and twenty eight. You said last one hundred and twenty eight total votes. Yeah, so I think it was. I think Hillary had sixty five million votes, and Trump had sixty two. If we're rounding down, okay. 65 plus 62. So that's 127. Like, what, what, we can call it 128. We have 84. Round it up to 130 even. I mean, it's not, I mean, it's not a, it's still going to. 60, 65, 65.6, 66% of the votes from last year. And we are. Um, still... Already. Yeah. yeah. I mean. <laughs> what what if a few ballots go missing? Al Gore knows this. Yeah. What if there's a what if there's a hidden lockbox from a Democratic stronghold or a Republican stronghold that that was just like we've been waiting to show all of these ballots, right? I mean, as as we said earlier, twenty twenty yeah, is not twenty sixteen, but even Al Gore said twenty twenty isn't two thousand, right? Um, I mean, you know, that's it's a thing. I mean, we're, we're, we're looking at historic rates of turnout, however you look at it. Yeah, that's, that's it. And yep. fact five, millions of mail ballots have not been returned within the window for the UN, for what the U.S. Postal Service has said they would guarantee, be able to guarantee ballots being delivered for count on Election Day. Um, now, when I was reading that article from the Wall Street Journal side of the equation, it was there, there might have been a lot of those ballots that have been requested as mail ballots that might have been voted in person. Um, and so it'll be, you know, we don't know if all of those are missed ballots, um, but we're talking millions. I mean, this isn't a small number. This isn't a few hundred. It's not, I mean, and, and, we, we, and this is a fact to be watched because absolutely. we talked about all these states, but to be watched. Yeah, I mean, and that's, and I will say you've done the yeoman's work on holding postal service to count, even on the very first parts of your show, your early, early shows. I mean, you know, this is, whoever thought that the postal service would be a political actor in a U.S. election? I mean, I, as I said, I was like, I, I, I get, I put my, I, I tip my hat to David Brin for writing a sci-fi novel about this thing 40, 50 years ago called The Postman. Um, I mean, this is, th th this was sci-fi 40 years ago. Part yeah. of our reading. It's it, a part of our reading. I mean, th yeah. this is, this is crazy. This is crazy. Um, fact six, as you said, I mean, people vote through COVID. I mean, COVID is a, is a through line in this election. U.S. new COVID cases exceed 88,500 on a daily, the daily case base. This is the highest daily count we've had ever reported. And we know the Trump response is because we're testing better. Yeah, um, equal more cases. If we didn't test, there would be no cases. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, and that's, I, I, I will say one of the things that I've always loved about the United States on how we deal with data is we deal with it in real time, transparently in an open way. Um, I think there are a lot of countries that, that have a lot of their internal data and they sift it and they, they do different things with it. 
and then they report. Um, we actually report, we report actual data points um, and people you can use them to, to slice and dice. And um, you guys have heard me say a number of times, it's lies, damn lies and statistics. And But if you have the data points, you can slice and dice that as, as you want. Um, you know, and so I, I'm not saying that this is bad or good or wrong. I mean, the fact of the matter is, and, I'm, and, and this isn't even whether other countries don't have cases and percentage of population and what that means. And, but the fact of the matter is here in the United States, we have to live with this number. And we still know that this number is technically underreported. Right. Right. I mean, we know not every, we don't have a hundred percent testing every week of every single of all 333 uh, you know, million Americans. So we know that this number is off. So we're in for a, a we're in for a COVID winner. You know, and that's the thing is the the next administration is still going to have to deal with it. It's not going away. Despite it's, not, it's not going away. Um, as you like to say, part of the Supreme Court issue here was ACA and. Everybody says COVID is now a pre-existing condition, will be a pre-existing condition for millions and millions, nine million cases in America right now. So I nine know. million people have COVID as a quote unquote pre-existing condition. Yep. Um, personally, I think that we should just abolish the ACA and go into a different kind of healthcare model because I don't like insurance, but whatever. Um, well, your, your, your Supreme Court is probably going to take you that way and. In November, you'll get the decision in the spring, so you can figure out something else. I think that's the thing. I mean, and so fact seven is Amy Coney Barrett was confirmed in a 52-48 vote. She is now, she's now been sworn in as the 115th Supreme Court Justice. Yep. So all you single-issue voters who voted for Trump to get a 6-3 court, you got it. Can I ask, please don't vote for him again <laughs> so we can move. If, if that's what you wanted, then... Congratulations. Go away. <laughs> come join come join the rest of us from like 43 for Biden or Lincoln Project or RVAT. Uh, you know. I was like, if that's what you wanted, that's what you got. So, that's it. That's it. I mean, there's no other you put it perfectly. Like they got what they wanted. That they win. There's and, no there's no real analysis beyond that because that was their goal. They executed and they succeeded. They got it. And, and and I will say what breaks my heart is at the expense of economic stimulus bills and reform packages and any of those things that actually help Americans in a retail level. This is a, I mean, I get it, but if that's all you care about, then sorry. Whenever you ask me to vote for you because you care about business in America or small businesses, or you care about the average citizen, no, you don't. I don't want to hear any of it. I want to say you come to me and tell me vote for me because I'll get you a seven two Supreme court or I'll protect a vote packed Biden administration. I mean, if all, if the, if, if all that Republicans are good for in the Senate right now is, is to get a Supreme court nominee, uh, nominee voted, then fuck it. Uh, Zenbian, welcome to chat. No, I actually have voted for Gary Johnson in 16. Uh, I would not vote for Ralph Nader. Uh, no, no. 
by no stretch of the imagination, not Ralph Nader. All right, so fact eight, U.S. GDP grew 7.4% in the in Q3 2020. It's the, the third quarter of, of economic reporting ending in September. However, and that's a great number. Growing at 7.5% is huge. Great number. Can, no one can argue. That's a great number. Huge number. Tremendous. Um, did that on purpose. Still, though, that's a 33% loss of GDP from the beginning of the year. We right. only recovered 66% of the of the first year lo- of the first half of the year loss. Right. right. Um, so it, the acceleration is good. We are still way behind. Yeah, I mean, it's it, the the movement looks right. I mean, we even are seeing. Um, you know, people spending locally, you know, up at like 1.7%, up at 1.9%. Um, that's that's encouraging. But, um, you know, we still have, I mean, consumer confidence is still low. We still have... Again, I know it's not indicative of, of, of the economy, but we're going to have the worst stock market performance since March when this thing started. So oh, this week is... So I, and I Hold know on to your hats, guys. Half the country doesn't participate in the stock market. I understand, but I mean, if we're going to if we're going to look at all the metrics, we should look at all the metrics. Absolutely, that's a different one. Yeah, it's a totally different one. I mean, I I, I just it was this number that came out this week. We're reporting that as the fact. Um, stock market numbers are weird, as we've said before on this show <clears throat> a lot. Um, you know, because they're they're buoyed by the big tech companies that have obviously in digital economy that's gotten a huge boost in the past six months from this, but at the expense of Main Street America and small businesses that are going under at a rapid pace. Um, so, you know, uh, lasagna couture, wow. Stop, that's spicy. The stock market is a graph of rich people's feelings. Uh, well, but Donald Trump says that that's why he should be reelected. I don't. I mean, and and Lasagna's right in that we yeah. we have we have a new piece out, and if you follow the source soon daily, you would have found out today Absolutely. that 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 all the billionaires made trillions of dollars in during Trump's first term, predominantly right. because of the 2017 tax bill and the stock market. That's but that Trump points to. So you can't. I remember being at right after Trump was elected, before he was confirmed, I was at a dinner with Anthony Scaramucci. And he said the stock market is going to take off during Trump and people are not going to turn their back on him. Right. Oh. I, I, I agree, Lasagna. I think the I mean, stock market is obvious. I mean, it's. Outside of algorithms, but the algorithms are still written by people. I mean, it's a it's an indicator of 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 consumer confidence in in the large industries, right? And in the major companies in America. I mean, that, that's why I still love this book, Animal Spirits. It's written decades and decades ago, but I think it still has a lot of validity. Why why people choose to to invest and in what they choose to invest? I mean, it's fear premiums to. Um, you know, junk bonds and greed quotients and in, in, in economic, 
you know, cycles is, is, is all huge. I mean, that's all part of, of the, of the power of an open market economy, I think, but, um, you know, it's, it, it is fascinating on Wade's bookshelf. So pardon? We also learn what's on your bookshelf. We also learn what's on my bookshelf, what I keep on my bookshelf. I, um, so, uh, I forgot the name of the actual book. I knew it was about animal spirits, but it is actually called animal spirits. Um, so no, I mean, that, that's a, yeah, that's a thing. Um, and you know, yeah, you say China is doing great recovery and you quote the, the CNBC article, as I've said before, China hides a lot of its numbers. I mean, I don't trust China economic reporting numbers when it's a command control economy. Um, the numbers are whatever the Chinese economy wants it to be, whatever the CCP says the economic numbers are. Um, that's why, that's what they are. I mean, I, I find it interesting. I find the parallel of, you know, when Donald Trump was famously asked in, in 2016 during the campaign, right? What's your net worth? He was like, depends on how I feel about myself that day. Because, <laughs> right. I mean, remember, remember that? Yeah. When he was like, I... A large part of my net worth is about, is about my brand, the, the, the value I have on my brand identity. Um, I'm like, okay, well, your net worth is pretty good if you like yourself. Um, your net worth is pretty bad if, you know, if other people don't. I mean, if you lose, then maybe your net worth goes down. I mean, that's a, it'll be interesting. Uh, so, yeah, and then fact nine. Outside of the U.S. GDP, yes, in chat, you're right. I mean, all of those are one issues, as, uh, you know, GDP, stock market, all of those things are or individual metrics. This is one more individual metric. Um, U.S. existing home sales are at a 14-year high. I mean, people are mo people don't want to be where they were when pandemic started. When when they got they, in shut down, they are on the move. People are, want a different worldview. They are going to wide open spaces. They are they are moving out west. They're moving to. You know where you are. Go, go move to Idaho. Go move to Montana. We're all full up here. Well, no, no, they. Are. I mean, I'm. Mean, no, I mean, but they're no. They're certainly moving but, here. But look at what's happening, like in Bozeman, Montana. Absolutely, it's blowing up. Boise three years ago is Bozeman now, um, and that's that's what people are doing. They want they want space. They want to spread out. They don't want to live in high rises in 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 close urban contact. That's just not what they want. Yeah. And I think people also want, um, I, I think also people just want a change. I think they've also said that, you know, we had this re-urbanization, right, of the, the younger millennial to Gen Z generation of you want a walking score in your city. That's what everything was, was a, you know, people were trying to get to a carless economy and all these things. And you wanted to be able to walk to work or use public transport. Um, and now people are working from home, right? I mean, as, as we've shown on this show a lot, I mean, I think it was last week or two weeks ago. I mean, 66% of people say that they want to continue working from home, expect to continue to work from home. Yeah. Right. Um, which, is having, which is having an effect on, on, on the way jobs and jobs transition. And, and, and it depends very much on, where you live for how that working from home affects your local economy. So yeah. it, it's, this is an intricate, intricate system. 
but people really, they want space. They are not, you know, before it was, I want entertainment and yes, and restaurants and access and to nightlife and, things nightlife. and now they're saying they want space. That's a fundamental shift. And I, I it, and, and the question is who's moving as well. Right. I mean, yeah, right. Are you, are you going to see blue, red, you know, blue bleed into red states? Um, Idaho is a traditionally super red state. Not if you have a whole bunch of tech millionaires, you know, moving there or, you know, Amazon, you know, C-suite guys that are, you know, Google guys that, as we know, are very Democrat. And they can work remotely. That's right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be a big deal. I, and also when people talk about how the economy is growing and all this, this, this is such a huge spike that that doesn't have a small impact on any of these, these new numbers that you see in GDP and you see in, you know, in economic activity because it's, you know, and so if you're lucky enough to be in one of these industries, right, then maybe you're part of, of capturing that. That increase in GDP, but if you're not, you might be in one, in in those industries that are going to be declaring greater and greater bankruptcy in Q4. Well, and one of the things that I would say, one of the reasons why I would hope that people, if they haven't subscribed to us on Twitch to get the daily, would look at the daily. We did a deep dive on on the red state blue state dynamic in yeah. terms of doing better, and there's 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 a traditional view that. Red states are doing better economically because they didn't lock down, which I don't believe is right. The Sweden model. Right. In the way that blue states are doing worse because they did. It has very much to do with local dynamics, with jobs, with access to a variety of different economic points. So another reason to think about subscribing to the daily. I agree. I mean, and, and guys, I mean, it- I know we kind of early on when we started doing this um, on, with the daily and, and, and subs, there were a lot of gifters out there and we appreciate all of you all. We really do. It's fantastic. But um, you know, that month is coming up to a close. So you're, you're going to be, you're going to be getting your, um, you know, your little primer when you're watching here on Twitch to, if you would like to continue the sub. And I mean, if you think about it, five bucks a month to get, a week, a, a, an everyday weekday daily of some really great, smart, you know, looks at, at the political spectrum. I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's better, I think, than you're going to get anywhere else. So, um, I mean, obviously I'm biased, right? But, but, but by all means, continue looking at these subs and, um, and get that daily sign up with us on that. You know, we're going to be rolling out more and more of these products as well. So continue on with that here. Um, you know, we're we're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about. And and all of the stuff in the daily doesn't make it on our Just the Facts. It doesn't make it on everybody's shows. So just because you're you're watching our shows doesn't mean you're getting all of the data that we that, that we're providing. Um, but one of the facts that was in our daily um, did you know one of the things in our daily did make some another fact? In fact, ten is Trump did hold a rally in Omaha earlier this week, and it was a cold night. 
and hundreds were stranded in the cold afterwards. And over seven, at least seven, were hospitalized for hypothermia and needing medical attention. And, um, you know, that was a big deal. I, here was something about that, too. I mean, Blake, go go on. I mean, I know you're you, you talked about this. The funny thing about this is, is that is that one, this is a breakdown in like just like traditional advance, which like the people didn't have an exit plan because right. they were beholden to the Trump campaign. So the campaign falls apart. Trump gets on his airplane, leaves people in the freezing cold and. Um, and, and that's, that in and of itself is, is bizarre. The second thing is this is Nebraska, the second congressional district, whoever wins that district gets their own electoral vote. So if this thing were to get close, this is a big deal. Um, and so Trump shows up, leaves his people in, in a lurch. I think the third thing that is, that is very, very interesting about, about this is this wasn't the first, this wasn't the last rally, excuse me, this week where Trump attendees went to the hospital. We had a rally in Florida after this, and those people went to the hospital. So he had two rallies this week where his attendees went to the hospital. I, you know, I mean, it's for, 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 for having too much heat exposure. I, I got to say, I mean, I, I found it fascinating where the people who defended it, I mean, and it was a 100% total breakdown on advance, but, and, and I want to get to, and I'm going to have a comment about that in a minute, but I had a lot of people who said there were so many people, it was so congested. This is the Trump enthusiasm, and this is why Trump's going to win, because the enthusiasm gap between Trump and Biden supporters is there. And, and I go, I, Biden supporters aren't going to show up at a super spreader rally event. Right? I mean, if, if COVID, if COVID is the, the main thing that they're voting, that they're running on and people might vote on, um, Biden supporters are not going to show up at a super spreader rally. Trump supporters will, um, are more likely to, let me put it that way. Yeah, 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 no, I did. I did a bit on my show where it was where where I I pulled an interview from some people who went to one of Trump's earlier rallies in Florida, and he's having a bunch of them. And they were like, "Well, no, no, we don't think he changed any minds, but we just think he, you know, everyone there was for him." And I'm thinking to myself, "What's the point? Like, right? You know, what's the point?" Um, and and we have we we do have polling data that says. The country, one, doesn't like these mass rallies right. that Trump is having. Now, I'm not sure that matters. I want to go back to that. I don't think it matters, yeah. It doesn't matter when it comes to, like, tried and true, I want to be president of the United States, and Trump is making the heavy, significant, serious case that he wants to be president again, and that's going to inspire a lot of his people to show up. Mm-hmm. But but overall, the country doesn't like it. And then overall, the country doesn't doesn't understand why and doesn't agree with this notion of why people would want to show up for a super spreader event. So people who are are undecided or not showing up. 
Yeah. Now, that Trump is running a base play campaign. Absolutely. And right now, as much as it's, I would argue it's completely irresponsible in COVID, it's very smart it's politics. Super smart politics. Yeah, very smart politics. So um for those and for those of you all who aren't overly familiar with some of the the political jargon here, advance is is a group in a in the campaign that's meant to go in advance of an event. They set up the event. It's event planning, that's event coordination. Um also with some other stuff as well. But uh that's when we use that term advance, that's really what we you know what we mean. And and I bring that up because I found this statement from Samantha Zager from the Trump campaign uh-huh. about the Omaha issue. Yeah. Fascinating. Uh, said it was road closures. And so, obvious, you know, that was the thing. But the campaign works to provide the best guest experience they can. Best guest experience. This is not a hotel. This is not Trump resorts. This is not Miralago. This is a political campaign. You've got with hypothermia. Wait, you have to fall in you have to fall into the Colorado River right now. I know. And be left alone for an hour to go to the hospital. For yeah, it's crazy. I mean, so the but but when I hear guest experience that's not a political campaign. These aren't guests. These are your voters. These are your supporters. It's we shouldn't try and provide the best guest experience. We should want to provide us uh, the best experience for our supporters, for our citizens, for our America. I mean, he's not running. To, I mean, to me, this shows again the campaign is running to be CEO of uh, of Miralago, you know, of Trump Resorts again. I mean, come on. Yeah, it doesn't make Th- any. This sense. This isn't executive I... office administrative work. This is not Oval Office leadership to me. I mean, it's crazy. It's so dumb. I mean, it's, but the point is like, this is the kind of thing where your campaign can kill you because people will read this and be like, well, it's one thing to be like, you brought us out to this airport to do this thing. And they got bussed in by the advanced staff. Right. And then people went to the hospital. Like that's not, that's not what you don't go to a campaign rally to end up in the hospital. No. And then and, think, but, but here's the crazy part, right? You also had people who were interviewed after it, from Omaha and they said, I don't blame Trump. I don't think he knew. It's not his fault. It's the police's fault for closing the roads and not letting us have access to our cars and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's never his fault. It's the campaign's fault or staff and blah, blah, blah. So he's still oh, yeah. immune to it. Yeah, it's never Trump's fault. No. He's still, and and I'm not saying that that's even Trump saying it's not my fault. Though that's his, those are his supporters who were being treated for, on site for medical needs, saying I still don't blame them. Hot so the, that's why I go. The enthusiasm gap there is, it, it's. I mean, there's something that that's happened where Trump is to some of these people the only person. Who can save America? Make it. I mean, it is it is really, really weird. Yes, it is. 
I mean, I just, I, I don't. <sighs> I go to a Trump rally. I go to the hospital for hypothermia because you bust me in, but you wouldn't bust me out. And I'm still going to vote for you. And not only am I going to vote for you, I'm going to say, I bet he, I still like him. And it's not his fault. He didn't do this to me. No, he didn't do that. He didn't mean to leave me out in the cold. It's all of those blue state N- Nebraska politicians that yeah. did it. Yeah. Yeah, they blocked. They blocked the. They blocked the highway. Deep state. Deep state. Deep state. Speaking of deep state oh. paranoia. Yeah. Let's get to our bonus. Bonus. <laughs> Tucker Carlson lost and then found Hunter Biden incriminating documents in the mail. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I can't. I, I just can't even say it. I just can't even say it. I mean, no, the fact is he lost them and then found them. I mean, the fact is, he said that they were there. I mean, it was great. He said, UPS said, hey, there was a package. We don't know what was in the package. But we know that there was a package sent to Tucker Carlson from, you you know, that they used his his office, used UPS, and blah, blah, blah. Man. I know there's all of this, like the dog ate my homework thing, but I mean, and and that's, that's something, but Blake, what, what else do you find about this? Do you mean to tell me (laughs) you, you as Tucker Carlson come into possession of the incriminating documents against Joe Biden, you Make no copies. You preserve nothing on single no- hard copies. Only dig- only physical. No digital. You choose to put them in the mail. What? Like if you had faxed it, I would have been like, "That's a little weird," but I kind of get it. You mail them. You don't scan them. To preserve them, you don't do any of the things that normal people do. You can scan documents from your iPhone. Photograph them. Right. At the very least. Right. Take pictures of them, do whatever. And all of a sudden, then they get lost. And the question is, they were so serious that you want to spend all your time on your show talking about the chain of custody through the Shipping company? You, you know what? Go back to bed. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. I mean, I, right. I just... That's it. That's it. There's nothing else to say. This is such bullshit. But, but so here, here's the thing that also kills me, right? Last week, when the whole thing was potentially talked about, right? And this idea of all of these and like nobody covered it. A was from the New York post. So whatever. Right. But then you had over 50 intelligence officials from the current and former U S intelligence officials. And I mean, who, who work in cybersecurity and intelligence and espionage who said, this is clearly has all of the hallmarks of disinformation campaign from a hostile nation. Yes. And the response isn't, oh my God, 
Red Scare all over again. It, it's, we don't trust the CIA. We trust Tucker Carlson. And we trust Donald Trump. More than we trust the people who actually live their lives gathering intelligence about what's going on here. Come on. How is that a thing? And then people, so what, when, when I heard and I got into a few, you know, unfortunate Twitter arguments or social media arguments, right, with some people that I knew um, who were like, how, I mean, yeah, of course I'm not going to listen to intelligence officials and in career civil servants because they're all, you know, they're all in the bag. They're all corrupt. The FBI's corrupt. I mean, to me, this is the, the historical point of this four years is not just erosion in the CDC and confidence in, in subject matter experts like that and listening to scientists versus not listening to scientists. You're now saying, that you cannot trust the FBI, a Republican, remember, uh, ostensibly, Republicans are saying, I do not trust the, the Department of Defense. I do not trust the CIA. I do not trust the FBI. I do not trust my law and order defense apparatus in this country. I do not trust my national security. I do not trust my government and national security at all. The only person I trust to protect my national security is a single person named Donald Trump. Yeah. How, as a, as a former Republican, how is that even remotely a thing? It's, if Bill Clinton said the FBI is wrong and Whitewater, I mean, and they had all of this incriminating evidence about Whitewater and all of this stuff or all of these other pieces in the CIA came out and said, Clinton um, has done all these things and there's a, and, and there's an existential threat to, to our way of life from hostile nations. And Bill Clinton says, hey, no, we don't care. Would Republicans have said that's okay? Of course we agree with you. He would have been impeached again. Exactly. I mean, Monica Lewinsky wouldn't have been a thing. That would have been worse this than Nixon, is, worse than Jackson. That would have been. We we need to turn the page, the country on this. This is we can't we can't have our institutions at at internal war with each other. That's right. The executive within the executive branch that just. It's, it, that's not, that's not, we're not going to, it's not going to work. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I'm not trying to shill for Biden or anything else, but what I am here to do last show before the election, last, just the facts before the election, we'll go back to facts one. It is the general election is Tuesday. You know, let, let, let's just make our final arguments for what, why we think this is important. If these facts alone didn't cover it, if the past three months of us having all of these shows didn't cover any of this, I, I mean, I, I, I worry that, that what we've gotten to is, is a point where there is no faith and confidence anymore in the government system. I don't think people on the right feel like it's by and for the people. Um, unless they've, in, unless you agree with Trump. Um, and 
I don't think people on the left think that the system actually works, period. Uh, because I think that, you know, it's obvious that, I mean, the protests alone this summer have showed the, if the country is divided on the, the system is stacked the deck against disenfranchised minority citizens. And on the right, it's the system cannot be trusted to tell the truth about anything. Then how we move forward on this. Yeah. I mean, Biden's going to have a a tough road to hoe. Harris is going to have a tough road to hoe. Trump is going to see a revolution. I think if he continues to, to push back on this blue state, red state thing, I mean, you might see some secessionist conversation and talk. I mean, the Whitmer piece alone was, was a precursor of, of what I think we're going to see. Well, let's hope it doesn't come to that. But I, I think, I think more than anything, we've got to, we've got to figure out two fundamental challenges, no matter who wins. It's easier if Biden wins. One is trust in our institutions. And part of that comes from credibility. Part of that comes from pulling away some of the hyper-partisanship in Congress and letting Congress exercise its oversight function in a real and meaningful way, which I think Biden will let them do in a way that Trump hasn't. The second thing is misinformation. We've got to get a handle on this much misinformation flowing through Facebook, flowing through Reddit, flowing through through 4chan, flowing through all these other places that cause people to become QAnon supporters and all this other crazy stuff that puts reality on the back burner in favor of Insanity. Those are big missions. Much easier with Biden than Trump, but I think those are those are two enormous missions. And I, I agree. I think that misinformation is a hard, hard thing to tackle. I mean, it's yeah. because because it changes every time. I mean, it's a whack a mole, right? I mean, when when you know, I mean, from a from an intelligence gathering point of view, it's 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 a living system, right? It's not. It's not static. So it evolves and changes to, to the responses of, of, of attack. And one of the things, I mean, you talk about the social media pieces, right? And there's this new question of oversight of the big tech companies of Facebook of Amazon, which owns Twitch, right? I mean, and um, Twitter and Google and YouTube and Reddit, all of those things. There's a world in which, I personally don't think that we should be regulating any of those entities as news sites. They, I don't think that they should be held responsible for the information that's put across their platform. However, mm-hmm. if you want to talk about misinformation from a journalistic point of view in news and fake news to real news, then maybe what you do is you just ban links on any of those platforms to outside sources because they can't be verified by the platform. You obviously know that they can't, I mean, that that's the viral, um, you know, content is when you just start sharing links and then people go down this rabbit hole of, I mean, before Steve Bannon got on the Trump campaign, 
how many people outside of like our super, you know, tight political inside Beltway universe really knew who Breitbart was. Right. And no, the Alex right. Jones yeah. conspiracy yeah. theorists were yeah. were All there, them. but but we yeah. knew of them as the flat earthers. I mean, it's it, it was a conspiracy theory group and it wasn't even Alex Jones was too crazy for like the Rush Limbaugh's of the world, right? I mean, they were they were still relegated to the era era of of conspiracy theorists. And they weren't using these propped up journalistic sites and linking them as if they were equal to 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 news sites of AP and Reuters and the you know the guard you know the Herald Tribune and the I mean I, true journalism that has regulations and no responsibility. All of these other come you know things could start masked masking themselves to look like it and the links there made it look just as as verifiable just as as legitimate well twitter's take taking some early steps um we'll see if that continues but but you're right it's going to be look it's we're going to learn a lot from this election i'm we're going to be back here in a week and i probably are far in our way our most our most interesting just the facts so far I mean, and quite frankly, we may just have one fact, which is what happened on Tuesday. I mean, who knows? And we can talk for hours on end. I mean, that, 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 that might just be what we do is just yeah. have a fact yeah. of the. Yeah, it was the final day of election. And this right. is just what we know. This, I mean, because we we all know Friday is going to be different than Tuesday is going to be different than Wednesday, and Thursday. So um, watch this space, guys. Blake, do you want to tee up any of our special programming for next week for the election? Yeah. So, so thank you, Wade. Yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be live. Uh, we're gonna be live Monday night uh, in election preview. Check out the Glow Show uh, here on Twitch. We will be uh, live on Tuesday for election day programming. So uh, go back to bed. We'll be. We'll be live from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern, followed by AVTV from 8 p.m. Eastern to to 11 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and then on Wednesday, a special edition of Source Stream post-election, Go Back to Bed, we'll start, we'll start streaming at 10 a.m. on Wednesday morning. We'll see where we are with this election, and we'll be with you pretty much all day. So I hope you will... I hope you will join us for our uh, for our election coverage that starts on Monday night. I agree. I mean, and, and guys, I mean, I'm I'm out, I'm not doing my below the fold next week. I'm for for other reasons, but not the least of which being there is nothing below the fold next week. <laughs> the only real news that we'll be talking about um, on that that you know on the sorcery side certainly is the election. So um, so you'll be seeing the whole host of. The whole, the whole panoply of sorcery hosts and things all next week on it. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's do our quick recap of our facts. So today, Friday, October 30th, fact one, the U.S. general election is next Tuesday. Fact two, 2020 is not 2016. Fact three, Wisconsin is a big target for both campaigns. Fact four, 
Over 83 million ballots have already been cast in the 2020 election. Fact five, millions of mail ballots have not been returned within the window for U.S. Postal Service. Fact six, U.S. new COVID cases exceeded 88,500, the highest daily count in the United States. Fact seven, Amy Coney Barrett was confirmed in a 52-48-1 vote in the Senate. She was sworn in as the 115th Supreme Court Justice. Fact eight. U.S. GDP grew 7.4% in third quarter 2020, still at 33% loss from the beginning of the year. Fact nine, U.S. existing home sales are at a 14-year high. Fact 10, Trump held a rally in Omaha, Nebraska. Hundreds were stranded in the cold afterwards, many needing medical attention. Bonus, Tucker Carlson lost and then found Hunter Biden incriminating documents in the mail. There we go, guys. Just the facts. Just the facts. Thanks for following SourceStream. Continue to follow. Thank you very much. We'll see you all next week.